This episode of the Alley on the Run show is brought to you by Aftershocks. Welcome to the Alley on the Run show. I'm your host, Allie Feller, and today I'm talking to one of the most inspiring women on the planet. My guest today is Tatiana McFadden. If you don't know Tatiana's incredible story, you'll get to hear it firsthand today. But the short version is that she was born in Russia with spina bifida. She was paralyzed from the waist down. Tatiana spent the first six years of her life in an orphanage, crawling around on her hands because the orphanage couldn't afford a wheelchair for her. Fast forward to present day, we're skipping a lot here. Tatiana is a Paralympian. She has won 24 World Marathon majors. And in 2013 alone, she won the Boston, Chicago, London, and New York City marathons. Then in 2015, she broke the New York City Marathon course record by a whopping 7 minutes and 20 seconds. Tatiana is an indomitable force on the roads, and she has an unbeatable spirit to match. She's an outspoken advocate, and I am so thrilled to have her sharing her story today. Before we do that, I mentioned the TCS New York City Marathon, and you all know that is my favorite race in the world. So I just want to remind you, the lottery for the 2019 marathon is now open. If you're hoping to run the world's greatest race this year, go to nycmarathon.com between now and February 14th. Because fun fact, when I ran the race in 2016, I actually got in through the lottery. So as Alexander Hamilton would say, do not throw away your shot. Go enter the lottery and then tell me that you entered and we'll talk about it and get really excited. And now first, let's hear from Tatiana McFadden. Tatiana McFadden, welcome to the Alley on the Run show. I could not be more excited to have you joining us today. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure and honor to be here. Okay, so we start every episode of the show with our warm-up. Tell everyone who you are, where you're from, and what you do. I am Tatiana McFadden. I'm a 17-time Paralympic medalist. I am a 24-time major marathon winner. Um, I am from Baltimore, Maryland, but currently training in Champaign, Illinois. You have just a casual badass bio, 24 majors that you've won. And we're going to get into the road to all of that. But first, you have this really amazing story. And I know a lot of people know it, but I like to hear it straight from you. You were born in Russia, you spent six years in an orphanage, and now you have all these medals you just talked about. So you went from having not a lot to a lot. And I'm fascinated by it. So can you talk a little bit about your your humble beginnings, if that's a good term? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I didn't have a, you know, a typical childhood. I was born um, in St. Petersburg, Russia with spina bifida. So that's where you have a hole in your back and your spinal column is, is sticking out. And, you know, usually you get surgery, surgery immediately after birth. But for me, that wasn't the case. And it took 21 days to be operated on. And um, finally, after the after the operation, you know, my, my birth mom had to do the hardest part, you know, I was very sick and you know she couldn't afford to keep me it was the time of fall of communism and so uh, you know she you know did her best and, and said you know in the hope of of everything I hope you know for a better life for her so she gave me up I went to orphanage number 13 and you know I lived there for the first six years of my life and you know, with no medical treatment, um, no wheelchair available. And so, you know, it's, I think because of that, you know, the, 
the attitudes of people with disabilities back then was it was very different and you know they didn't get that support um, in the orphanage and so yeah I grew up um, walking and walking on my hands and scooting on the floor and uh, wherever the kids wanted to go I wanted to go there as well you know I've always kind of had that had that attitude I never Within the orphanage, I never ever thought of myself as as someone who was different, and um, I think that plays a really important characteristic role today, and the things that I'm advocating for. Um, and this six year changed, you know, when my mom happened to walk through the door, and she was there purely on a business trip, and um, not looking forward to adopt, like not looking, you know, to adopt. Um, and and we met, and it it just changed forever. And coming to the U.S., you know, I had my first surgeries, went to the school for the first time, um, got to got involved with a, a local para sports club, which my parents found in Baltimore, um, Kennedy Krieger, and that absolutely saved my life and and transformed my life. You know, when the doctors believed, you know. Um, because the state that I was in, I was very anemic and and really sick, and so you know they believe this is kind of the life for her, and you know she'll she'll be okay and she'll be fine, but you have to do a lot of things for her. We don't think that she'll be independent, and you know, but my my parents thought otherwise, and so um, that's why they put me in this sports club, and I tried everything, you know, and from first I tried swimming and. Uh, wasn't my favorite, but then I tried <laughs> ice hockey and, and downhill skiing and um, table tennis and wheelchair basketball and, and wheelchair racing. And I just loved wheelchair racing. I don't know if it was, you know, the need for speed at such a young age, but I, I loved it. It was something that I really wanted to work hard. And I was not good at sports growing up, like not good. You know, the ball always would when I played basketball, the ball would always hit me in the face or, you know, wheelchair racing. I didn't understand like how to stay in my own lane. And, um, but to me that didn't matter. I was getting healthy and, um, and stronger, like physically, um, and mentally stronger. So you can have goals and, and dreams just like a, a normal, you know, seven, eight, you know, 10 year old. So yeah. Okay. So, First, I have to go back to the fact that you're, you know, you're six and younger in this orphanage, moving around on your hands and that you say you didn't feel any different from all the other kids. I feel like there's a really, like you even said, there's a really good message in there. How much do you really remember? I mean, you were so young. Yeah, you know, I mean, not too much, but I just remembered, you know, where, Wherever the kids were going, you know, wherever room they were going, I was going to. I never, you know, I never, you know, sat in the corner by myself. I never, I was like, um, you know, uh, I think I was a very, like, sociable, very sociable kid. Um, and, yeah, I mean, when I went back in 2011, um, that's what the orphanage director said. There was one that was still there, and she was like, yes, you were – you know, the child that was, you know, very sociable and not like a troublemaker, but, you know, just very, <laughs> uh, not loud, but, you know, just wanted to do everything and it, it just didn't matter to me. So, yeah, I think that's, um, 
is kind of like what I remember. And it's interesting that, you know, I had such a strong personality like that. And I think it kind of carries in into everything that I'm doing today, you know, whether with sports or, or my education, really trying to provide um, that parallel, you know, in, in, in that that parallel in society because you know when we when we talk about you know diversity um, we always miss disability we always do you know we talk about race and age and 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 gender or or sexuality but we always miss disability and the population we it's it's a huge number it's it's in hundreds of millions and so it's interesting, you know, that we that we miss that population. You know, we might know someone with a disability. Um, we may acquire it later in life or we're born with it. Or, you know, we're all going to hit it one day. Old age is, is going to get us. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel like as an athlete and building my platform that, you know, it's my responsibility to to talk about it. And, you know, that, that we're not any different, you know, especially when it comes to, to marathoning. You know, we what when you see us in our racing chair i mean we, there's no gears it's it's not a bicycle and so however fast we want to go that depends on on our arm muscle and our strength and and what we want to do that day and our our chairs we're carrying like 20 extra pounds so next time that someone's running you know i would pick up a 20 pound you know, vest belt and, um, and attach it to you and, and go run, you know, 15 or 20 miles. And that's what exactly what we have to do. So it's, it's even, um, more challenging and we're using our arms, which is a physiologically, it's a small group of muscle, um, compared to, to your legs. So we have to, um, it's very injury prone. And so I think just talking about our sport and, um, and helping it grow, um, it's been amazing to watch it transform and there's a lot of change that's happened and there's much more change that needs to be made. And so I'm on this ride and journey for it. Well, you're such an amazing advocate. And I will say that I don't think I even knew about wheelchair racing until I knew about you. I think it was you first and I started following your career and seeing what you were doing and then gaining a larger interest in the sport itself and in your division and what you're doing. and But I want to talk to you a little bit, if we can. You use the word disability a bunch, and I know you've talked about it a bit in the past, but can you talk to me about the word disability? Is that a good word? Is there a better word? Like, I don't know. I'm very, yeah, like, I try to be so PC, and I just feel like I don't like the word disability, but if you're like, no, that's a great word. Let's use it. I'm going to use it. So tell me, tell me about the word disability, and if there's a better one, or what should we be using? Yeah, I mean that's that's been like the the topic of <clears throat> this whole weekend actually. I've been in LA and um you know doing a bunch of things and and I was here for the Golden Globes and that's just been the talk. Um you know, what's the right thing? What's the right term that we use? And you know, I think if we say um we we have to give credit to the person first always, you know. So if I'm being introduced, you know, it's it's Tatiana first and and what I do second and you know and then the the disability third and so you know I, I don't know the the right answer but I do know you know to to give credit to the person first and you know when we go to Europe they don't even 
you know, use the word um, disability. Um, I think the right way they put it put it is like a person, um, persons with a disability, but they always give a credit to the person first. Um, but we should never be ashamed of, of using the word disability because, you know, I'm not, I'm not someone that's ashamed of having one. Um, you know, I don't, I, I really feel like as society, we all have some sort of a disability, um, whether if it's physically or, or intellectually, because something always stops us from preventing our dream, right? And so um, that's kind of how I look at as disability. Um, but I don't allow myself to, to for anything to, to stop my dream. So, you know, it's, it's interesting how, how we, you know, c- can take it. Um, and, and yeah, I do. I, I believe that majority of, of us, you know, have some sort of something that may, may try to, you know, inhibit us from, from achieving our dreams. So, um, if we look at it that way, you know, we all have some sort of a, of a disability, you know, some sort of, uh, of a blocker that may adjust our dreams or change it. Um, but I've always seen myself as a Paralympic athlete, um, as a marathon winner, um, and, and have spine of bifida um, because it's that's the fact and that's and that's the truth. <laughs> and tell me a little bit about in terms of spina bifida. Is that something that you still get or have any treatment for medication? Can you kind of explain spina bifida a bit more so we understand it better? Yeah, I mean, there's like all different levels, and so I I have a, a pretty low level. I mean, my um, it really gets confused with like spinal cord too, spinal cord injury. It's like, um, but it's, so my spine breakage is between L1 and L2. Um, no, I don't take any, um, any medication for it. Um, and so, but you know, there's always different levels of, of everything actually, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, just like there's all different levels of, of diseases and, and disabilities. So just a separate thing that I have, but it doesn't affect with spina bifida. Um, I do have blood, a blood clotting disorder, but that has nothing to do with, with spina bifida. Oh, um, I didn't know that because I knew that you had taken some time off racing, right? Recently yeah. for blood clots. I assumed that that was related. No, it's just something that's like completely different. <laughs> your body's like, all right, we see you're functioning just fine. So we're just going to throw another curveball your way and see how you do. And, exactly. And you came yeah. back and won the Boston Marathon. So clearly uh, <laughs> not much of an issue for you, but um, that's totally that's, separate. Yeah. And that's, you know, I was really happy to talk about it because, you know, athletes actually get blood clots all the time. We're always traveling. We're sitting on buses. We're We're traveling on planes. And so a lot of, a lot of like athletes have gotten them from basketball players to runners to our, um, Olympic winter Olympic athletes and some of our summer. So it's, it's really prone, you know, and, you know, Serena has blood clots. So it's something that a lot of the population, um, actually has. And so it was, that was really tough, um, to, 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 to get those. And, um, that was kind of a, actually more of a hurdle than anything because it, when blood, when you get blood clots, it really, really, really hits you pretty, pretty hard. And so, um, it takes about 
18 months to, to fully recover because your body oh. is, you know, still healing and learning the new ways, um, new blood flow, creating new blood flow. And so I do take Xeralto, um, a blood thinner. And um, is it bad that I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen those commercials. Yeah. <laughs> as no, soon as you true. said that, I was like, oh, yeah, I know that drug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's a common, a common drug that everyone takes. And um, I'm really lucky to have a partnership with Normatec. And so I put those on um, twice a day. And uh, that really helps with, you know, the, the fluid buildup that I get, um, especially <clears throat> having blood clots so new. Um, and so that's been like a really relief um, from from a pain standpoint of view. But yeah, it's all very manageable. And just taking more time to, to to care of myself and yeah I love that you've had all this crazy stuff thrown your way and you're like yeah it's all really manageable I'm like I wake up with a headache and I'm like my life is ending so <laughs> I definitely need to channel my inner Tatiana McFadden every day yeah uh, let's backtrack to you know you casually mentioned like oh yeah and this woman came into the orphanage and adopted me can we talk about your mom's job and what brought her to the orphanage because that's all related. Yeah. So my mom has a really amazing background. Um, she, so during that time, um, she worked for commissioner of disabilities for the first Bush and part of the second. And she also ran her own nonprofit agency called ICA international children's Alliance. And she's placed over 2000 kids and, you know, she's had no, no troubles. And so she was just on a work trip. Um, she was just doing both work for, uh, for, you know, disability and, and adoption as well. So she was happening to stop by at the orphanage because the orphanage director, you know, told her to. Um, and so that's kind of cool, um, of, of how we met. She was on a business trip, basically. <laughs> yeah, she was exactly. not like, I'm going to go and maybe ad- adopt a six-year-old today. <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. It was nothing that was like uh, planned at all. So yeah, it's kind of weird to have like faith really kind of brings you together. It's so cool. And you have two sisters as well. I do. And so we're all adopted um, and we all look alike, which is like even funnier, right? It's like we're meant to be. Um, So Hannah is from Albania and she is also a Paralympian. Um, She's an amputee. Um, and Ruthie is from Kosovo and she has no, no disability and she's the youngest. I was going to say, what is the age breakdown of the three of you? How close in age are you? We're actually like really far apart. So, um, I am, um, Hannah and I are about seven years and Ruthie and I are about 10. Wow. Okay. Well, I think your mom is amazing and I should Thank have her. You. I think maybe maybe I'll have her on the show next too because I have a lot of questions for her. But uh, I, I do. I love that story and I think that the work she does is so important. And together, you're these amazing advocates. And I want to talk about when you were in high school and you, you mentioned how you got into sport to build your strength. So tell me about your you're in your chair and you're competing and racing, but you face some troubles from the school. Can you talk a little bit about that and how it led you to, to be this advocate and the law you created. Yeah. So I came back from the Paralympics in Athens in 2004. And, um, all I wanted to do was just to do, a a, a high school sport. You know, they told us at orientation, 
you know, get involved, be, you know, be part of a club. It will be good for your resume, be good for, you know, college. And um, it's a great way to make friends and and set up your career. So I was like, well, duh, I'm going to do wheelchair racing. And it's a non-tryout sport. You know, you, everyone is, is there. You, you just show up to practice every day. You have good grades and that's the eliminations happen towards when you get involved with states and much later, you know, you have to make times. And it was just astonishing that, you know, I was, um, following everything and that, you know, getting ready for the first meet, you know, I was, denied giving a new uniform. Um, my mom had to fight really, really hard for me to just get a uniform for the first meet. And then when I got the uniform and going to the first meet, they stopped the entire track meet, had me go around by myself and then continued the track meet. And, you know, and that going to, going to meets, you know, I said, this is not right. You know, this is a complete discrimination in the 21st century. Like it is astonishing how we, we treat people with disabilities. And so looking back and thinking about my sister, I said, I have to do something because it, it, it's just going to get worse. And, and so, you know, we, we won the lawsuit. We won the lawsuit, um, in, in Howard County. And then we, we fought, um, the state and then, um, then we then we made it federal, and um, to make it federal federal law, we went to we spoke um, to Obama um, when he was no big deal, no big deal, um, and and explained you know the importance of of people you know being involved in physical education, you know kids and especially women you know, they're, they drop out in high school and it's even worse for people with disabilities. And so, um, health and being involved in your community is so important. So it passed. Um, and it was quite amazing that it's, it's mandated in every state and that they have to provide that equipment, um, or funding will be taken away from that school. And so it's just amazing to be, to be part of that history. I mean, it was so hard to, fight that when I was in high school. Um, you know, I was bullied all the time. People would not understand why I was doing it. Um, people got so nasty, made so much noise, but why? End, I can't understand that because they didn't understand, you know, why I was doing this and, you know, why I was trying to make everything equal, um, and to provide those opportunities for people with disabilities. And so, but I understood why, and that's the most important thing. Um, but it was hard. It really, really, really was difficult. So So how did you get through that? And how did you keep fighting as a high schooler? I mean, high school is tough. Like high school is tough. And I can't imagine going around a track by yourself, you know, I mean, I don't know. Were you going around by yourself like, look at me, I have this huge cheering section? Or were you like, this is horrible? No, it was horrible. Yeah. I mean, it was just kind of like everything was uh, a pity. You know, people were just um, – it was awful. Like the whole thing was just awful. Um, you know, people kind of clapped, you know, as a, a – like, good for you. You're out there. Mm. Um, especially coming back after winning a silver and bronze from the Paralympic Games. And, you know, I could have opted out of going to high school and and gone pro, but I didn't. You know, I, it's really important to finish high school. Education has always been important. 
And so um, just to be treated like that in my own community, it was awful. But, you know, I did it and I made it through and um, laws are passed forever. And now that you're a little bit older, if you were to go back or if you're talking to a high schooler going through the same thing you've been through, obviously the law is in place now, which is great, but still bullying, discrimination, that still happens at every age, especially in high school. What do you tell those high schoolers going through what you've been through? To keep, you know, the people the closest to you, you know, it's okay to have such a small friend group, uh, but those people are are going to be important to help you through. You know, my family helped me. Um, a few of my closest friends helped me and, and just continue to stand by what you believe because, you know, it's, it's those few people that make the loudest noise. And, and at the end of the day, those people won't win and it may not seem like it now, but they won't. And, you know, and in my case, they didn't win. It became federal law. So, you know, it was kind of like a, a good, you know, clap back almost. Um, and and so, you know, I just sticking with what you believe in and it's going to be it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy, but, you know, you'll have people that will stand with you um, and really support you along the way. And speaking of people supporting you along the way, you met the Obamas. Tell me about that. It was awesome. Um, they were the coolest people, the nicest people, the coolest people. So, yeah, just to have, you know, it's, yeah, they were awesome. They were, like, very hip, very cool, very nice. And um, and they've done a lot of great work. Um, yeah, I was honored, you know. I was really honored that I was one of the people that got to, to meet them. So it's very cool experience. And you met them during the process of getting this law passed? Um, so I, um, uh, yeah, b- briefly. And then I also, um, yeah, I did. And when it became federal, um, and then I met them again when, um, during the Olympics and Paralympics, right. when we all went to the White House again. Right. You're friends with them is basically what we're getting at. Um, You're friends with Ellen DeGeneres. You were on the Ellen show. How was that? No big deal. Amazing. I was, um, yeah, I was so nervous to be on the show because you don't get to meet her beforehand. So I probably sounded like, I don't know. I was like so nervous to meet her and um, I was like almost speechless and it was like hard to, I didn't want to like make a fool of myself and I'm sure that I did no I I watched the clip like two days ago you were amazing well thank you um she's super sweet and I again I was honored to be on the show and you know I look up to Ellen she's had to she fought a lot and she fought a lot for the um LGBTQ community and so um and she's another person that I look up to you know she's had a lot of things come her way, but she's fought it. And um, so it was amazing to be to be on the show. And how did that happen? They they came to me, which was awesome. Love that. So I'll just I'll wait for my email from Ellen. <laughs> I guess if they're just gonna if they'll just reach out at some point. I'm sure it's coming. Uh, so one thing I love about you, you're super positive, you are very optimistic, and you're clearly very driven and you use your voice in a really positive way. Is that something that has always come naturally to you or have there been 
people or times in your life that have really influenced that? Yeah, I think my my parents have been such a great influencer. You know, my especially my mom's story and you know, just her background. She's been such a great support um, and a role model and has helped me through a lot, you know. And so I am so fortunate to have, you know, such a great mom who's who's helped me through that. And um, yeah, I'm just really lucky and, and really blessed. So she's been my number one supporter. And do you have any advice for people listening on how to use their voices for good? Yeah, you know, I really think that if you, you know, if you really believe in something and it's it's for the good and for the right, you know, it it will happen. And and just to continue to to speak about it and um because you never know who you're going to be helping. You never know who is going to be struggling. Um and it's it's amazing the way that we're we're connected these days through podcasts and social media and um it's, you know, that's the good thing. You know, we can find people in their stories um, for for the good and to push out, you know, positive, positive messages. And it may not be easy and it may take a while, but, you know, just to continue to, to do that. Time for a very brief interruption from our sponsor, Aftershocks. We are in the dead of winter, which means the sunlight hours are sadly, oh, sadly limited. That means if you're running before or after work, you're probably doing so in the dark, and that means safety should be of the utmost importance. And that's why if you love running with music or while listening to podcasts, which I hope you do, the only headphones that are safe to wear are Aftershocks wireless headphones. Aftershocks' Trex Air and Trex Titanium headphones rest on top of your ears, and they use bone conduction technology to send whatever you're listening to into your ears from slightly afar. This lets you tune in without tuning out. You can still hear all your surroundings, which is always important, but especially when it's dark outside. You can have your early morning music and run with it too. So don't wait. Get your hands on a pair of Aftershocks ASAP. And I have a deal for you. Go to ontherun.aftershocks.com and get $50 off your endurance bundle. You can thank me later. Now let's get back to Tatiana McFadden. So anyone who has started following your career in the past, I would say, decade or so, we know you as this marathoner. You talked about all the other sports you dabbled in. Uh, You started in shorter distance stuff. I like that. Was it table tennis you said you tried at one point? I love that. Uh, So you've tried it all, but you've really gone all in on the marathon. Why the marathon? I I love the marathon. You know, it was something... um, I only started marathoning in 2009 and um, I was getting ready for my first marathon and um, coming from a sprinting background, you know, my coach, Adam from the University of Illinois, he came up to me and he said, you know, I really, really believe that there's a career from you in marathoning. And I, I literally laughed at him and I said, well, do you know my background? Like, I know you do. I've competed in Beijing and in London and Athens <laughs> only from sprinting. Like, I am not a marathoner. Like, no way. And he said, no, 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 no. Like, I really believe, you know, there's a career for you. And he was, like, trying to convince me. And he's, like, finally, he was, like, 
you know, just think about running a marathon, like think about doing the 400 meters and think about it doing like a hundred times or so. And Why would like, you want to think about that? That sounds terrible. Uh, he was just trying to put it into perspective, I guess. So <laughs> it was so hard to train for my first marathon. You know, I had a really a pure sprinter's body and it took a whole whole year and a half. So I understand every single marathoner who who's tr- trying to train for one, you know, it was hard. I like turned around at like eight miles and I was like, okay, like I'm done for the day. And finally, like I built up to like 12 and then 15 and then like 20. So it took a while. Like I was like nowhere near, you know, um, the, the pack of people in training. I was like way behind, like, um, on that struggle bus. So that, you know, it was just, I love it. It was like a really big challenge in in itself. And it was a challenge that I really wanted to conquer. And was the goal when you started, so in 2009, you're having this conversation about trying marathoning. Was that as a professional athlete or was that like a, Hey, maybe I'll try this as a bucket list thing? You know, I, I I was just like, you know, everyone does one once. I'm just going to, like, try it as a, you know, a bucket list. And, you know, I, if I finish it, great. If I don't, whatever. Okay. Um, okay. I for it. And, but then I won my first marathon in 2009. So that was a... A surprise to everyone. <laughs> I really like that within the last 60 seconds, this went from, I can relate to all first-time marathoners to, I won my first marathon. So, <laughs> yes, uh, a good a good learning curve there. But yeah, that was 2009 that you started having the conversation. By 2013, you won Boston, Chicago, London, and New York. Yes. Yes, um, which is like crazy. You know, I was in the Guinness World Book of Records for um, for winning three Boston, London, Chicago. Yeah, four four major marathons for for three consecutive years. So it's amazing. And you've gone on to win. You said twenty four majors, correct? Yes, it's crazy. It's awesome. I like I said, I love your story so much. I watch what you do, and I'm just in awe. You touched on it earlier, talking about the act- the chair itself that, you know, it doesn't have gears. It's not a bike. It's not in some easy advantage. I think people see wheels and they're like, oh yeah, wheels, cool. Like that must be easier. But then I think people probably see your arm muscles and maybe second guess that a little because you have the best arms I've ever seen in my life. Uh, (laughs) I want to talk about, let's talk about like specific to the New York City Marathon, just because that's the race that I know best. I want to talk about that course a lot of rolling hills. The Queensboro Bridge has the big uphill, but then also has the huge downhill coming off that includes like almost, well, I guess it's not a hairpin turn, but it's a 90 degree turn coming down off the bridge and then onto First Avenue. Can you talk to me about the actual l- mechanics, logistics? How do you, you know, what are the challenges of controlling the chair and which is harder? The power yeah. required to go uphill or the control to go downhill? I'm a climber, so I love to climb. So for me, the downhill has always been the hardest. I I actually kind of get like scared going down, and I I always kind of I've gotten a lot better, but um, going downhill is so scary in your racing chair because it like shakes kind of when you're going down, and you really have to be very conscious of the road and where you're going and avoid the potholes because you know we're we're going down the hill thirty plus miles per hour and 
any little bump that we hit, any pothole that we hit, we can be seriously injured, concussioned, or, you know, even worse. So uh, it's really dangerous what we do. So I really focus on on the downs um, and, and the turns. And um, climbing is my favorite. So I can climb a little hard away, which is funny <laughs> because most people don't like to climb. They're like, oh, that's the worst part. But that's my favorite. And so that's why I love New York because you start on a climb. Um, and I love that. Um, which I'm probably like, really weird for loving it, but myself and other elite runners um, who love to climb can relate. Like Mary, Mary Katani loves to climb, so um, we really relate that way. Um, but yeah, it's it's a good advantage to have. And what about weather factors? You mentioned the potholes, which is important to mention. Talk to me about weather. You won the 2018 Boston Marathon, which was not a picture perfect day. Yes. Uh, talk to me about how weather plays a factor. Yes. Um, weather, yeah, weather was, was um, it's always really tough because, you know, um, we, so we wear racing gloves, which have rubber on top of them, and we make a, a contact like 0.2 seconds um, from like 12 o'clock to like 6 o'clock, so it's a stroke. Not We don't grab anything. And so on our hand ring of our wheels, it's like a tiny little circle that we have to hit precisely every time. And so that's also made out of rubber. And so when it's wet, having that rubber to rubber contact makes it really, really slippery. So, you know, we're, we've been doing a lot of testing. Um, I've been doing a lot of testing, especially this past last year, getting ready for like Tokyo and everything. And it's hard to find like good, you know, good kind of, we call it clister, but goo, like good, like goo that, you know, will help us to make that contact. Um, and it's really difficult, you know, for us when it's, when it's raining, um, to have, to try to like continually have that contact, especially in Boston when it was raining that much, or, you know, it's snowed in New York before. And so, um, cold weather can have an effect too on our grip. Um, or really, really, really hot weather. So it's, it makes us, it makes it, it makes it really challenging. And we always have to kind of play around with, with equipment and, and learn it's learning every day. And what about fuel? What do you do about fueling during the marathon? I carry a, a camelback and I just put like an electrolyte in there. We can't, we can't go to stations and right. grab a bottle. Um, we can't like, I can't open up like any, any type of like, you know, goo or anything. Uh, so I just carry an electrolyte with me. Tell me about, so let's say you're gearing up. I know I keep using New York as an example, even though it's a million months away, but right now is the application period for the New York City Marathon. So I'm like super excited for everyone to put their name in the lottery. When you're gearing up for a race like New York or like Boston, what does your training look like? How much time is spent out on the roads and how much time is spent in the gym and what do some of those workouts look like? Yeah. So, you know, when we're preparing for a race like New York, we really focus, we do about a hundred and 120 miles a week, just like any other elite elite runner. We, we actually do around the similar mileage, similar workouts. Um, you know, we'll, we'll definitely focus on, um, you know, the, the hill climbing, really that power, that strength, um, you know, our lifting is, it happens in, in January, February. Um, so around the time of New York, we're just doing like maintenance work, um, you know, keeping our shoulders fresh and, and injury prone. 
Um, and we work on a lot of our core um, and stability, just like the runners do with their legs, but we're just doing it with our like abs and upper body. And so, yeah, and just even working on downhills too um, and, and lots of tempo work, long tempos, short tempos. But yeah, we do about 120 miles a week and we lift about twice a week. What is your favorite upper body exercise? If people want Tatiana McFadden, arms, shoulders, back, what what should they, and by they I mean me, be doing? So this is going to sound like so bad, but I don't like lifting. <laughs> I like I get to the gym and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a lifting <laughs> day. Um, but I love bands. I really, really, really love bands. I like... I'm obsessed with them because you can take them anywhere. You can like bring them on your traveling. Like I have some here and I'm in California. Um, and, and I love that, you know, I love, love carrying those. Um, and you can get a workout in there. And I think anyone could get a really good workout with bands, um, you know, by going out and running and just do some maintenance work. Um, that's something I really piece of equipment that I really love. Um, and to keep kind of keep your tone, um, keep injury free. Yeah, I think it's a great, great traveling piece. Just like people travel with um, with mats and yogas um, and, and some bands, it's great. All right, Amazon Prime, here I come yet again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, you've talked about bravery quite a bit, which is a word that I love and I'm very into right now, bravery and acceptance. Can you talk to me about that? Yes. Um yeah, you know, I think it's important to be brave. You know, it, you don't know what life is going to lead lead you, and but you have to take that jump and that leap. And so, it's it's in order to get where we are, we have to be a little bit brave. We have to learn from our failures and and our successes. Um, and it's hard to be brave. You know, all of us are. You know, we all struggle being brave. Um, I sometimes struggle being brave. You know, because but if you if you don't struggle then you it won't lead to something absolutely wonderful um and and you never know if you if you don't try so um it's important to to be brave all right you mentioned our successes and failures what i you know we've listed out like all the races you've won the amazing things you've done what failures have you had <laughs> um last year when my racing chair broke um that was a big that was that was really hard on me because my racing chair is everything they're like your your pair of shoes and so um when I was in that training accident in Berlin um that was tough that was really tough um and you know um Marcel's absolutely wonderful and he let me borrow his chair and um just to get through the Berlin marathon and so I used Adam's chair in Chicago and in New York. And so, but using a man's chair, it's like a woman trying to put in into wear a man's shoes. Right. So it's not the quite, the quite big fit, but you know, I, I learned, a, I learned a lot actually. I learned that. Wow. Um, I learned about a different seating position that I really liked. I learned that, you know, um, I'm going to be just fine and, um, and that I can make things work. Um, and, and I think that's good to have because things don't go perfectly. And I'm glad that it happened this year and not, and not in the Olympic year. So I learned that, okay, if something drastically is going to happen, uh, that I'm going to be just okay, um, that I will make it through. And so getting second in New York in Adam's chair, <laughs> um, I was really happy. 
<laughs> and so in and to get second, you know, I think, oh wow, like I can definitely go up from here when I get my own working wheelchair that's personally mine. Um, that like I can only go up. You know, I, I think that we can always learn from something bad that really happens. That is a wonderful metaphor. And I think the next time that I'm out and I'm like working up toward a goal race, maybe I'll run it in my husband's shoes. Yes. And I'll see how I do. I mean, I can't imagine it going well, but I'm going to, you know, like I said, I'm going to channel my inner Tatiana McFadden and yes. I'm going <laughs> to see what I can do with that. <laughs> no, I'm not really going to do that. Uh, okay. We talked earlier, we were talking about the word disability. We were talking about you as an advocate. One thing I would love and I know I always, I feel like I probably sound not super smart when I ask questions like this, but I want to know what is something that people in general can do to make people with disabilities, we'll say physical disabilities primarily, you know, we talk about like small business owners having ramps and having elevators and stuff like that, that um, can make things easier. What can we all do to make life for people who might be differently abled, better, easier, more accepting. Like, I just want to make the world a better place. Tell us how we all do that. Yeah. And I think the best way to, uh, to do that is, is like, what would an old person need? What would, um, a mom with like five kids need, you know? Um, because we fall into that same category. Like, Older people love curb cuts. They, um, busy moms like love curb cuts. You know, busy moms can't bring a stroller up these like flight of stairs. They're going to need an elevator. Um, and so we kind of like fall into the same category and which is, you know, you know, that's, that's another thing that people miss too. You know, it's, and, and it's really funny. Um, Americans are, are lazy. And so they actually love everything that, (laughs) Yeah, we get. So they love curb cuts. They love like being closer to buildings. They love elevators. They love ramps, you know, anything that they don't have to provide extra work they love. Um, So and so that's kind of how I think we can do it. You know, you think about yourself and you think, oh, like, what would I like to make my life a little easier? And it makes our life a lot easier. So those are kind of like a metaphor that like I can relate to, you know, is, you know, what would you do, you know, with someone who, who else needs it too? I think so. that's perfect. And, you know, it's funny that even struck a chord with me. I had a baby three months ago. And so I, ha- I'm a stroller mom now, which I don't, yeah. I'm not, I'm not very good at. I slam that yeah. stroller into doors all the time. But the other day I was like, we're going on an outing and we're going to go to baby gap. And I was so excited to go to baby gap with my baby and the baby gap entrance was three stairs. And I was yeah. like, and it was the only way in. And I'm like, yeah. why, A, of all places, baby gap? You would think yeah. that you would know most people coming in here have strollers. But yeah, so we did not go to baby gap that day because I couldn't lift my stroller up three flights of stairs. Exactly. Also is why I need to be doing those bands workouts you mentioned. <laughs> so. But exactly. Like, you know, it's... It, you don't want to like injure yourself or your baby trying right. to like go up those stairs. And it, it is a problem. Like, and I think more than ever parents agree kind of what we need, you know, because they go through those same struggles. Like, 
you know, they don't want to go up flights of stairs and because they can't like it's it's really, really difficult and you can put a lot of people at risk. Um, and so um, exactly. And I feel your pain there. Like, um, I mean, I it's not, it's not the same. I'm just slamming my stroller into stuff. My poor child <laughs> is getting like knocked around in there. So children are resilient. Yeah, yeah she's fine. <laughs> She's fine. She she was asleep. She's fine. Um, okay. I want to ask some fun big picture questions before we move on to our sprint to the finish. First, we've talked a lot about your confidence and your drive and all that good stuff. I want to know, do you have any insecurities? You know, I think it's sometimes I do have like an insecurity of, of being disabled because, you know, I, I feel like I have to present to be confident all the time. And that is hard, you know, especially, um, getting internships was really hard. I, I, the hospital told me I had a great resume, but you know, they, they couldn't accommodate with someone in a wheelchair, which is like a hospital. Yes. Flabbergasting. Right. And I'm like, and I was like, do you know what you just told me? Like, how are you going to accommodate a patient with like, a, like a, a stretcher bed that they're on because they had surgery. Like, uh, can they even get into your, like your room, you know? And oh so, God. so sometimes like that's hard, you know, it's, you know, putting up this, you know, face and, um, but being like denied all the time or, um, or pushing equality. Um, it, it does get hard and you think, Oh, are we moving forward? Are we moving forward? And I just have to keep telling myself like, yes, yes, we are. We're, we're moving forward, you know, day by day. And, um, so it's, and sometimes that can get hard, um, and, and quite exhausting, but at the end of the day, I do, I do love my sport and, and I will get through, through school. And, um, I've had such a great, internship at Spalding and I, I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely love it. And so, yeah, it's just been a good journey, but yeah, sometimes it can get tough. And we did, we kind of glazed over college, but you did, you went to university of Illinois to be a child life specialist, right? Yeah. And I'm finishing up grad school. This is my last year. So I'm, I'm actually done in March because I'm only taking like an eight week class. So, um, that's in a, another exciting part. So how will you do that? How will you balance being a professional athlete and being a child life specialist? Well, uh, so I'm... Uh, <laughs> TBD. Yes. Well, so I've, I've always thought a career is really, really, really important, but I kind of wanted... I kind of want to use like my, my degree in, in, in human development for, for the greater, for the better. Um, like I've started my own foundation. I've actually worked with New York Roadrunners and team for kids and in help providing and creating a program with them, um, for, for wheelchair racing. And I've donated a racing chair. Um, and so I'm really hoping to work closer with that because, you know, having a background in as a developmental specialist, I understand the way cognitively and physically, um, children from zero to 18, how they will age. And so, um, I can really, really honestly speak about it. Um, and so that's another great thing that I could use that knowledge as, um, a positive for and saying, Hey, being part of sports is actually very critical, um, for development in, in many different reasons, you know, not only physically to get stronger and bone density, but, but mentally as well. So, yeah, but you know, in case I ever wanted to stop racing or, or an injury happens where I can't, I do have such a wonderful background as a child life specialist where I can give back to the community and I will be happy doing that. So it's important to have a good balance. And I think child life specialists, I think that's one of the most important jobs on the planet. I think it's amazing the work that they do and that you do. Yes, yes. Yeah, they're pretty cool. All right. Tell me, what are you proudest of? 
I mean, I, I think I'm just proud of um, just, you know, how far I've come and being more of an advocate, my amazing career accomplishment, and, and just see where the future can take me because I'm still quite young. And so, um, you know, I'm not even 30 yet, so it's kind of cool. It's endless where I can go. So that's what I'm really, really proud of. And that leads me perfectly to my last question before the sprint, which is what is your next big goal, dream, or race? My next big, big goal is Tokyo 2020 and hopefully to be the first person to to do all seven and, and hopefully place in all seven events and to win the New York City Marathon again this year would be awesome. Um, and I start, you know, with the Tokyo Marathon in March um, and hopefully come out with a second book in the future, um, do more things with my foundation. Yeah, there's a lot more to I do. I was going to say, it's just the very beginning for you, I think. Yes. All right. With that, are you ready to sprint to the finish? I am ready. All right. What would your last meal on earth be? Since I can't eat a lot of this, probably like candy. <laughs> oh, and is that for training? Like, are you, what is your, what is your diet like? It's, um, you know, it's all about recovery and uh, making sure you're getting enough fuel for you know, the next workout. So it's, you know, a lot of protein and, and good and good grains and lots of fruits and vegetables and not so much candy. Uh, what's your favorite movie? Ooh, I love action. Uh, any type of action movie. I love Denzel Washington. He's one of my favorite actors. Um, anything that he's in, I love. Favorite TV show? Favorite TV show. I love that 70s show. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. That's a, No one has it. said that on this show yet. 115 episodes and you are the first person to come out with that 70s show. <laughs> it's so great because <laughs> I love all the people in it. Yeah. So. Uh, what is your biggest pet peeve? If someone like rubs their fingernails with chalk, like chalk. Ah, ah, yeah. Got it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Understood. Greatest fear. Greatest fear. Maybe like, um, well, actually spiders are my greatest fear. I don't like them. I don't like anything with a lot of legs that move fast. Gross. If you could work out with anyone, who would it be? Ooh, I would want to work out with. Oh, what's that actor from um, The Fast and Furious? Um, Vin Diesel? Yes. <laughs> Vin Diesel. I would want to work out with him. What is something that you cannot race without? My racing gloves. <laughs> what is something you think everyone should do at least once in their lives? Run a marathon. Of course. Who was your childhood celebrity crush? Ooh, my childhood celebrity crush. Probably like Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> What celebrity would you love to be stuck in an elevator with? Maybe Will Smith. I think he's kind of, I think he's cool. I think he's really, really awesome. He feels, I feel like he's like a genuine person. That's a good one. Yeah. What has been the best day of your life so far? Oh, wow. Hmm. I think probably going back to Russia. That was pretty cool. What one word do you want to be remembered by? People have already called me the beast, so I guess that's probably stuck. (laughs) I love that. Tell me three things that you love about yourself. Hard worker, dedicated, and, and smart. Those are excellent. Last thing I need from you is to give everyone listening a reason to run today. 
Ooh, a reason to run. You will feel good afterwards. You will. You'll feel good afterwards, and it's a great way to start your day or end your day. That's perfect. And I lied. I want one more thing from you. As I mentioned, it's the we're in the application window for the New York City Marathon right now. So people can go and put their names in for a chance to win in the lottery and get an entry to the marathon. Tell me, give everyone listening a reason to enter the lottery for the New York City Marathon. Because it will move you. Ah, perfect. And beautifully on brand. Very well done. Tatiana, this has been amazing. I have loved getting to know you. I am so inspired by you. As always, can't wait to see what you do next on that wonderful list of of accomplishments to come. And oh, I wish you I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. It's great talking to you. To recap, six years in an orphanage, paralyzed from the waist down, and smiles every single day and breaks marathon records. Let's all strive to be a little more like Tatiana McFadden today, shall we? I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you're feeling as inspired as I am. If you're loving what you're hearing on the show, please consider going and leaving a rating and review for the Alley on the Run show on iTunes. I'm so grateful for the more than 600 of you who have done so already, and I would love to hit 1,000 reviews in 2019 or like this month. Speaking of this month, remember the New York City Marathon Lottery application window runs from January 13th to February 14th, so go apply today. Don't miss out on your chance to run the best race in the world. If you want to talk more about the Alley on the Run show, about the New York City Marathon, about my favorite headphones, or about, I don't know, how many times Annie spit up on me today, hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Alley on the Run 1 and like and follow the Alley on the Run page on Facebook. As always, Thank you for being here and for listening. And another big thanks to Aftershocks for sponsoring this episode of the show. Go to ontherun.aftershocks.com for $50 off Trex Air and Trex Titanium Endurance Bundles. Now go be brave, make your voice heard, and thanks for joining me on the run.